Hey dear listeners and welcome back to Unfiltered, No BS Psychology Podcast. Today I have something very special, juicy, but also painful. Today we will be decoding toxicity and talking about when it is actually too much. We'll explore different types of toxic relationships, ranging from romantic to professional. We'll also discuss setting limits and the challenging task of leaving toxic romantic relationships, even when it seems impossible. I'll be sharing my personal story and offering some tips on how to heal after breaking free from toxic relationships. Let's dive into this episode. Why have I decided to talk about toxicity, and specifically toxicity in a relationship? To be fair, I've been hearing a lot of misconception in songs and films about how girls cry over boyfriends and they get into big fights and there's a lot of fire and then you wait for him to text you or vice versa and you spend your days eating ice cream on your sofa and binging rom-coms. And it got me thinking and I've decided to go back in time and think why are we so attached to toxic relationships? as society and as Generation Z and Millennials. So as young individuals, we used to hear the word toxic a lot. And we actually found pleasure in toxic relationships. You might have not thought about it, but it's true. How many times we called off a guy that we like just to make him like you, when actually you're burning to speak to him? How many times we made him wait or acted cold and bitchy, even after you had a great date and you went to movies or grabbed dinner or coffee, doesn't matter what it is, everything went smoothly, you come back home and you decide to disappear. Disappear into unknown and make him feel like you are the treasure and you have better things to do in your life when actually you're sitting there staring at your phone waiting the moment he texts you, and when he actually does, some time after, acting very surprised why you decide to disappear, you act very cold. You decide to be not interested and nasty. How does the guy feels? Or I have a different scenario for you, when you are a guy and you want to feel like own this world, and you have all these girls in the college, so you decide to actually ignore a girl that you like, a quiet girl, maybe she's not a popular girl, but you basically cool her off just to seem cool, seem popular. That goes the same to friendships. We all went to different schools, we had different dynamics, but I can guarantee that every school, every college had a popular girls gang, aka mean girls. It's a group of girls that basically own school or college and everyone wants to be them. They're like literally gods walking through college and other quieter girls or boys, they live up to them. They think, oh, I want to be like them. I want to act cool and be mean and feel like we got everything when actually the popular gangs they are also quite miserable because they think that by acting very cool and by ignoring everyone and by only speaking to blonde, tall, blue-eyed guys, they will be popular and they will make it in college. Like, this is their tick box. Like, I made it. I joined the cool mean girls group or the cool guys rugby or football group. And when you're young, 
this toxic dynamic is actually quite exciting. It gives you adrenaline, gives you goosebumps. We like to cry over guys and we like to get hurt. We like to fight. We like drama. We like screaming. We like expressing our feelings and sexuality. That's basically very fun until you graduate. Until you graduate and realize that this toxic garbage is still with you. Even after university years, you're still carrying on that garbage and it follows you anywhere you go. Work environment, social circle, and what's most important, romantic relationships. That's why I want to dedicate today's episode talking about toxicity, how to break free from it, how to heal from toxicity. It's a great stage to be in when you're young, but sometimes it's time to actually that you've outgrown it and you have to bypass it and find yourself and your true love, which is tender, understanding, patient, supportive, and not dramatic. So let's begin with actually defining the word toxic. So the term toxic is borrowed from the field of toxology, which actually deals with the study of the effects of poisons or harmful substances on living organisms. A bit of biology here. In a context of relationships, A toxic relationship is characterized by behavior that is emotionally, psychologically, or even physically damaging to one or both individuals involved. This can include manipulation, extreme control, verbal or physical abuse, and other negative patterns of behavior. By using the term toxic, we emphasize the harmful and poisonous nature of the relationship. Research suggests that toxic relationships can have long-term effects on mental health. And they're not looking good, my friends. Actually, a study published in the Journal of Abnormal Psychology found a significant increase in major depressive episodes when one was in a toxic relationship for some time. So now we know what toxic means, where it came from, And I want to kind of run through different types of toxic relationships because they go beyond the romantic ones. There are family toxic relationships in the friend group, work-related toxicity as well. When I refer to family toxic relationship, it really goes back to our childhood and how you communicate with your parents. We all have different upbringing and we think that If it's our family, we have to keep ties. And I actually have done an episode on how to sometimes break free from this mindset of thinking your family means weekly commute to communication and help. No, we have to prioritize ourselves. So when can relationship become toxic in a family? That's exactly when your parents or you break the line of respect. When you feel low, when you start to develop insecurities when you feel like you're not enough for your parents or for yourself or when you just don't feel loved or heard by your parents that's also a type of toxic relationships in the family now let's look into friendships that's basically what i've described in mean girls that's a great example so friendship becomes toxic when people start to compete. When two friends or group of friends start to envy each other, when they're not happy about their friends' achievements, successes, 
when they don't support one another, and when my when I mean by that is disappearing and then craving attention when actually you're not giving anything to your friend back emotionally or physically, so you're just kind of sucking the energy and support out of your friend. I call people like that hoovers. You can see the toxic trend in friendships. Work-related toxicity is something that is actually underlooked. And a survey by the Workplace Bullying Institute indicates that 19% of US workers have experienced bullying at work, with 61% of the bullies being bosses. Now, I'm not looking into worldwide statistics, that's only from the US, and as you know, not many people actually record certain instances. I know many of my friends who hold quite high positions at workplaces and every friend told me a story how they felt low, how they felt upset or let down or actually abused. But they don't they haven't reported it. So I want to raise this point because we think that just because someone is above our job title, they can act in a certain way and you have to swallow it. Well, I will tell you today that No, you have your voice. We live in a democratic country and you can raise your voice when something is discomforting you, when you feel unsafe, when you feel unvalued and low. Because in the long term, that would lead to mental issues and degradation at your work. So every relationship can become toxic from romantic to professional one. And in every relationship, the most important thing is to feel valued, safe, and uplifted. And today's episode will be mostly dedicated to romantic toxicity. And we will explore what type of toxicities are there. Because it's really easy to say, oh, my boyfriend is toxic, or my girlfriend is toxic, or my relationship is toxic. What is toxic? Behind the word toxic, there are a lot of elements that can make you feel that way. And we will discuss them just in a bit. Types of toxicity or how your partner can make you feel low and unworthy. So, controlling behavior is something that is identified as toxic. And that is when one of the partners is taking full control of other person's actions, words, and behavior. I'm talking about messages like, where are you? Who are you with? Show me. Send me a picture. What are you wearing? Why are you wearing it? Why didn't you text me? Why do you want to go to a certain place? This is basically one person takes full control of other person's life. But actually, another person is a complete independent adult. And it's not a baby to be controlled. Usually, uh, controlling behavior comes from someone who actually has been controlled in the past uh, by one of the parents and someone who is insecure and that why by controlling his partner or her partner, one becomes more strong and more secure. But this way of building strength is toxic. The next one, we have jealousy. Okay, um, I just want to kind of make sure we're clear on this. A bit of jealousy is actually healthy. And what I mean about a bit of jealousy is that 
It's good when your partner cares who you're with. It's good that your partner knows who your friends are. And it's good that your partner will care if you end up spending Friday night with three guys who are called your friends and one girlfriend. Let's be honest, that's not traditional relationships. <laughs> so a bit of jealousy is good because if one person in the relationship with the other is not jealous at all, that means... To be fair, there are no feelings involved because that's how our hormones work. But when does jealousy becomes toxic? Jealousy becomes toxic when every time your partner looks at their phone, the comment will be, who is texting you? Every time you go somewhere with your friend for coffee, your partner will be, who else is there? So every action you do will be doubted to aggravate your action and make you feel like you're not being honest and that you're a cheater. On a long term, it's not durable. Relationships which are based on jealousy, they don't survive because there's a lack of trust in couples. Disrespect. Disrespect is a big thing and we can disrespect someone with words, with our actions or our behavior. Why disrespect is toxic? Because by not acknowledging one's person's presence, actions, we basically destroy that person. By being disrespectful to your partner's values, beliefs, or family, let's say, we make them feel not valued, not seen. And some examples of how one can be disrespectful in relationship is when your partner is organizing a family dinner, you've known about that dinner for quite a while and you had it in your calendar, but you decided that you'll fit your own wants just before that dinner and you'll kind of make it because, you know, you want to do something that you want to do on your terms. So you end up being quite late to that dinner that your partner organized and prepared with her or his loved ones just because he decided to see your friend for a bit. This is disrespect. And there are other ways how you can disrespect your partner, not respecting their time, always being late, um, not responding, not respecting their hobbies, and the list goes on. But I think you got me. Narcissistic relationship. Oh, this is... This is really, really toxic, my friends. Whenever a person who is a narcissist enters a relationship, it usually 99% of the time becomes toxic. Because before a narcissist should enter any relationship, he or she should heal. Heal from their child traumas, usually of their overbearing parents, which then projects in their relationship thinking that they are the boss and they are the center of the universe. What kind of examples I can give you from someone who is a narcissist in a relationship? Constantly seeking attention, constantly seeking attention, but not like some girls do. Oh, um, I missed you. Where are my hugs? Where are my kisses? No, that's cute. Guys like it narcissistic relationship when your whole relationship and things that you do is circling around you. You, 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 your likes, your dislikes, your work, your hobbies, your vision. And basically your ego is so big that is suffocating your other half. And that's toxic. The next one is lack of trust. And it really connects to jealousy, but just 
one level up. Lack of trust is toxic because it doesn't allow space for trust and belief in your partner. So examples of lack of trust in relationship are when you question every action your boyfriend or girlfriend does. Whenever your partner gives you promise, you immediately say that, no, I don't believe you'll break it. I know you. You won't keep your promise. That dynamic is unhealthy, especially when there's someone who is also jealous. So jealous and lack of trust um, equals drama, toxicity, pain. This combination requires a lot of work and therapy and actually diving into your personal universe of feelings and your childhood and why you seem to lack trust towards your closed ones. The over-dependent partner or something that I call too attached, it's when your partner is constantly seeking attention. Your partner cannot live without you just for one hour. When the partner is constantly seeking your affirmation or even your little message just to keep them going you become like their drug basically and they forget about their life their friends their hobbies and they completely consume themselves with their relationship and it can be quite difficult for both parties because by acting as an attached individual you basically erase all of your life and you raise your identity and you become quite depressed as a result and angry with yourself. And as a person who is receiving this attachment and someone who is dependent on, feels like he is about or she is about to suffocate. He or she has their own life, their own things to do daily, work, social life, and they can't constantly reassure you that you're fine, we're fine, we're still dating, I love you, I love you like 10 times a day. This becomes toxic and all the love actually, all the beauty and lightness from this kind of relationship disappears over time and becomes negative for the mental state. Abuse. I mean, any abuse without my explanation is already quite straightforward toxic. But there are two types of abuse, physical and verbal. Both of them are equally the same, equally toxic, because you can basically kill someone with your words. Whenever you feel like you're being abused by your partner, you have to speak to someone. Especially if it's physical and you actually have signs of physical contact on your body, you need to take your phone and call the line. You have to see a therapist, you have to run away. I know it sounds pretty straightforward, but many of us think that it's okay to get a bit touchy when you're arguing. It's okay if he kind of just grabbed my hand and now I have a bruise. No, it's not okay. Similarly, it's not okay when your partner calls your names. It's not okay when a partner literally dehumanizes you with his tongue. It can be via messages, being cold and critical, nasty, or in person. Arguing is healthy. Don't get me wrong. Uh, couples should argue because when couples stop arguing, that means they don't care. And that's the worst thing. That means your relationship has ended. But when arguments become abusive in language is when you have to sit down and think how we can argue so it doesn't dehumanizes each other. 
once you sit down with a therapist or both of you, and if you really care about your relationship and you want to make it work, you have to find a way how to argue without abuse because abuse will lead to sleepless nights, crying. When we cry, we feel pain. It develops, it grows on us in our chest. We have difficulty expressing ourselves, speaking. We become closed off. I urge you to live this relationship or literally sit down and work on it if you really want that relationship. Last but not least, we have gaslighting. Gaslighting is similar to abuse, but it's not as straightforward. That's why many couples live together years and years and years not knowing they actually been gaslighting each other every day. As a result, and overall, it leads to an escalation, drama. It's painful. It is abusive at the end. And it basically usually ends up with a very difficult breakup or a very long, dragging, unhappy relationship that leaves you broken in pieces at the end. I want to talk more about gaslighting because I think it's something that is overlooked in relationships but really needs attention. So gaslighting historically referred to extreme psychological manipulation to commit an individual to psychiatric institution or cause mental illness with the intent to brainwash. Connection between individuals that is emotionally, mentally, or even physically damaging to one or both parties involved. Something like manipulation, coercive control, constant criticism, lack of respect towards another and a negative impact on one's well-being. Gaslighting is when there is imbalance of power dynamic in a relationship. And I want to repeat that. There is an imbalance of power in your relationship when you feel like someone has a hand over you. And examples include denying realities. So for example, when your partner says a simple message, you said you'll be home early. And the gaslighter will respond, no, I never said that. You must have been misunderstood. So then you have to basically explain yourself why it's a normal message. You kind of go into this mode of scrolling, finding your previous messages. That's unhealthy and it's toxic. Minimizing concerns. And that is when the partner says something, I feel like you're not paying enough attention to me. And the gaslighter will respond, you're too sensitive. I do plenty for you. You're just overreacting. You're not grateful. Oh, this is my favorite one. You're not grateful. This is basically literally abuse in one sentence as well. It's not allowing your partner to speak freely about his or her feelings because you're shutting them up with saying, no, actually, I'm doing so much and you're just ungrateful. And that's called minimizing concerns. There is also something like projecting fault. That is when your partner will say something like, you haven't been honest with me. And the guy slider will respond, you're the one who's always hiding things. I can't trust you. So instead of actually hearing out that your partner is feeling a bit unsure about this relationship, you will actually switch around and project the fault onto your partner. And gaslighting is something that can start off something really small and can grow really quickly into becoming something very abusive and controlling. For example, I will share my story. I was growing up with a very powerful, egocentric narcissist, my father. 
I still love him, but that's who he was. And he would not allow me to voice my feelings because whenever I would voice how I felt, I would instantaneously be judged, attacked, denied. My concerns will be minimized. My reality will be denied. And as a result, I grew up with little trust in people and with a controlling behavior. And how can you deal with gaslighting? It's a bit more difficult when it's your parent. Uh, That means that you'll just have to work more by yourself in the future with therapists. But if you're already an adult and you have your partner who you feel like is gaslighting you, you have to sit down your partner when it's something light, when you're spending great time, when you're relaxing and, and say, hey, look, with a bit of humor, with a bit of love, I know it's hard, especially if you've been gaslighted, but you have to do it for yourself. So you have to switch on this kind of like um, light, funny vibe on and say, look, I feel a bit low recently. I feel quite upset and I would like to speak about it. I feel like I'm not hurt, unfortunately. I appreciate whatever you're doing for me, but I'm not sure I can handle this communication. And I'll be so happy that we can, as a team, look into it. A person who cares about you will maybe take some time to think, but he or she will say, okay, tell me more. Um, I'm not sure what you're talking about, but tell me more. He will be curious or she will be curious. The person who cares would want to make things change. A person who is completely unstable and probably doesn't care about you will start accusing you, screaming, and expressing their ego. And that is when, my friends, you have to leave. You have to run. You have to get your stuff and run because you will never fix that person. You will never fix that relationship. And if you think that you're strong and you will, well, maybe you can, but it will cost you your mental health, your social life, and your youth. There are better things to do in life than to fix something that is unfixable. So now I want to talk about when do you know it is actually too much? I've also been in toxic relationship when not only I was toxic, you know, it was both of us. All of our childhood traumas just came from the deep ocean and came onto both of us as a tsunami. And it was very difficult because we had very strong feelings towards one another. And we sat down many times thinking that we should end this relationship, but we couldn't because we felt so strongly about one another. And as a result, it just escalated into a big, big explosion. And we broke up, but it was so painful. It required a lot of healing afterwards as well and reframing and thinking about your own behavior and therapy. So whenever you feel like you can't do this anymore, you're completely drained, you still want your partner to be next to you, but you don't seek happiness or pleasure when he or she holds your hand. You just want him or her to be there for you, just to sit next to you. Or when you don't seek pleasure in sex, when you don't seek pleasure when he or she touches you, that's when you know that's the end. And it's better to part this way than keep going and let it explode. And once it explodes, I promise you, it will leave you literally broken to pieces and you'll need even more time fixing yourself and 
before you can actually enter a healthier relationship because you have to fix yourself first. I'll just grab some water because my, my throat is just so dry from all this emotional speaking. I'll be back in a second. Okay, great. My throat feels better and I can continue talking to you guys. As I mentioned, it's time to leave when you're just irritated and constantly feeling low and seeing the world in gray whenever your partner is around because you're just keeping him or her next to you knowing that it will be very painful to break it off so you just continue staying in it it is also time to leave when your thoughts are only occupied with the partner when every day you're constantly thinking what are he or she are doing it is time to leave when you're doubting and questioning every action of your personal day. This is an indication that your person is so unhappy and so drained that nothing gives you pleasure. Not a sunlight, not a cup of coffee, not your dog running around. You're just so empty, like an empty vessel that actually needs some filling up to do on yourself. But before that, you have to leave that relationship. So it is time to leave when all spheres of your life are affected. Your social life, non-existent. Your hobbies and your personal development is put on hold. Your relationship, which is the key, is just making you feel even drained on a daily basis. I know it sounds very easy. It's time to leave. You should leave. And it's really hard to do so, but it's better to rip it off than to marry someone from your childhood who was that toxic boy. Because having fun, being dramatic and toxic when you're young, it's all great. But once you marry into it, you are you're glued for life, especially if you have kids as well. So it's never late to leave a toxic relationship and start over. No matter how old are you, um, no matter what you've dreamed of, that you would want to be married by 30 years old and have a kid by 35 or, I don't know, to live together by 25 and to have a loving boyfriend. Doesn't matter what your fairy tale on mind told you when you were young. It doesn't matter. I don't want to hear that. Because it's never late to start again and to have that fairy tale. It's never late. But in order for you to have that fairy tale... You have to heal. You have to heal on your own. Because if you do stay in that relationship, which is toxic, not only will your progress be blocking, you'll be isolated from friends, your career or your job will not be progressing. You'll forget about your hobby. You'll lack energy for physical activity. You'll be sleep deprived. Your nutrition will you won't nourish yourself and you'll have hormonal disbalance like loss of period, breakouts, dermatitis, which is like this irritation on your skin. You don't want to have all of these. And that is why you have to leave. And once you leave, you have to heal on your own. Because if you want that fairy tale of yours, it all starts from you. And now I want to talk about how to heal from toxic relationships. Some of the tips are from my personal experience and something that I think really helps not just to heal and forget about that other person, but just to grow as a person independently. It all starts from self-love. Please realize that you deserve the best. You deserve healthy life. 
remind yourself of who you are and how far you already come to become who you are today. Think about it and write it down. Literally write down all your achievements that you're proud of, that you'll never thought you'll achieve. And look at it and be like, I'm a great person. I deserve to be happy. I deserve to grow. It's better to end something and try to start something new than imprison yourself in hoping for the impossible. I love this quote. I want you to remember it, write it in your journal, and repeat it. The next one is acceptance. Be honest with yourself. It's really hard for people who are perfectionists and they think that they can fix everything. From broken vases to broken relationships, relationship is not a vase. You can't buy, you can buy a new one, but before you have to throw the old one, because if you stick it back together, it's going to look really bad. So you have to be honest with yourself, guys, and accept the fact that your relationship has come to a halt. It's time. Doesn't mean you failed. It's just that you outgrown, you've moved on, and be honest with yourself that that's just not working, and it's okay. Something else will. Take your relationship as a lesson for you to grow. I tend to tell my friends a little trick. Every person is a mirror, and it reflects what you need to change. So look into your partner, say thank you for allowing space for your growth. By looking into your partner, you can see what behavior you've been reflecting. If he or she are controlling, you can see why you want to be controlled and go back to your childhood and heal that. Why you tolerate when someone screams at you, abuses you. Why you like being in drama. This is basically your partner gives you all of these valuable lessons that you can just take, leave and work on them and become stronger. Every heartbreak is a lesson and one step closer to your true you and a healthy love. Take practical steps to help you cope. These can be as simple as daily journaling routine. I started doing it around a year ago. I journal every morning. It takes me five minutes and pretty much every evening, overall 10 minutes a day. And it has been life-changing, honestly. I'm more clear and honest with myself. I can track my progress. The most important is being true with your feelings. And once you write it down, you can truly feel them. Another thing that you can do to cope during hard times of heartbreak, especially leaving toxic relationship, is meditating. It can be simply five minutes breathing, imagining how bright light grows inside of you and washes all the pain away every time you exhale. Or physical activity, if you like something active. I, for example, started running. Never thought I'll be running. I actually hated running. My mental state has been way better since I started running because the release of endorphins leave me very happy and relaxed actually after I run. So find your physical activity and implement it. Family or friends, but not toxic ones. (laughs) Um, Please seek help, support, quality time from your loved ones. Share, but don't bitch talk. Please 
guys and fr- my girls, I know we like to say how shit your partner was, I'm sorry for my French, or how nasty they were, and it's their fault, but that won't help you, that won't help you heal, you're just like masking your wound, actually express your feelings, say that you loved him or her, say how much it hurts, share it with your loved ones, because they will be there for you if they're the ones who are truly your friends or your family. Do not expect or wait for an apology. This is something that many of us fall down the line. We expect that someone will text us, that's why we start calling your exes, texting them, and trying to explain to them why they were wrong, how they ruined everything, how bad they are. By doing that, we're just craving an apology, but we're not going to get it, and it's not going to make us feel better, I promise you. Just forgive. Forgiveness will do you wonders. Be that strong and confident one. Just say thank you for those years. There were good elements, there were bad elements. Say thank you and forgive. If you're seeking closure, forgiveness can act as closure for you, my friends. You don't need to seek it from your partner. The antidote to resentment is acceptance and forgiveness. Without forgiveness, the pause can turn up at any moment and you will repeat the history all over again. However, Forgiveness can change your past and the present while helping you give it a different purpose. The purpose of your life is not to carry grievance. So please, my friends, implement that. Forgiveness is key in moving on and actually coming out as a stronger person. Treat yourself. That's a very nice thing about breaking up. (laughs) Let me explain. So once you get out of a toxic relationship, you have so much time. You no longer worry about the other person 24-7. You don't need to text them, scream at them, control them, question them. Yeah, you have a lot of time on your hands. So you can dedicate that time towards your personal growth and treating yourself. Something like hobbies, or starting something new that you always wanted to. Be kind to yourself, but don't be a victim of what happened to you. By treating yourself, I don't mean lying there on a sofa, eating ice cream, weeks on weeks time, sobbing and watching rom-coms. Give yourself a limit. If you want to do that, that's fine. I support that. Just literally tell yourself, okay, Nicole, I have two days and during those two days I'll be crying, I'll be calling my friends, I'll be wearing sweats, I'll be eating ice cream, watching friends and cuddling with my dog. But (laughs) after two days of being a cry queen, I will get my stuff together, I will take a cold shower, I will put makeup on, I will put cool outfit on and I will face the world because I've given myself time to cry to be in pain, but I love myself. That's why I'm not going to spend the rest of this year doing that. I will go out there and put that energy into something else, to helping someone maybe, or starting something new, or developing your hobby, or meeting new people. So set time for how long you will be crying, but also see it as an opportunity of growth, like travel somewhere as well, because no one will tell you off that you can't travel somewhere, or leave him or she alone for like a month. You can do whatever you want. So see it as an opportunity to see the world and become maybe a different person, a better version of yourself. My friends, we're coming up to the end of this episode. It's been very fun to talk about it, actually, because a lot of things I can relate to 
I've been in toxic relationships for a long time, starting from my childhood, continuing into my romantic relationships. And I like sharing my experience and maybe helping someone out there or maybe just raising the subject. And you know what? Toxic can be fun when you're in school or college, but do not let this game become your reality, your lifelong reality. It is very easy to slide into a marriage and have kids with someone from college who is super attractive, emotionally vibrant, but toxic. But once you slide into this, it's very hard to go back. So love yourself, be mindful of yourself, know your worth and know the right timings to leave and start a new chapter. Because it's never, 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 never late to start over again. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the opportunities you haven't before. And look at people who are not your type. You'll be surprised what life has prepared for you. As we conclude today's episode on the complexities of toxic relationships, always remember, you're not just a participant, you are a decision maker in your relationships equipped with insights into recognizing toxic behaviors, setting boundaries, and prioritizing your well-being. It's never too late to start growing and learning again, because that will bring you closer to your best version of self. Let's make choices that honor our values and guide us toward a future of healthy connections. I really hope you found this topic and tips on handling toxic relationships valuable please share this episode with anyone who might find it beneficial and needs to hear about toxicity and if you're feeling moved or inspired please consider leaving a five-star review it really helps the podcast to grow wherever you're listening right now your support really means the world for more psychology tips please follow me at unfiltered psychology on instagram drop me a message i'd love to chat for you it is never late to start again and it's never late to climb a mountain as long as you're climbing in peace and in a sunny weather i love you everyone stay tuned and i'll speak to you soon